Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father in heaven, as we come today, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you provide for us freedom in Christ Jesus. Lord, as Jason expressed earlier, at one time, as Christians, at one time we were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Lord, we were enslaved. We had no liberty. But in Christ, Lord, you give us freedom. Freedom to know you. Most importantly. So Father, today we pray as we come to this time of opening up your word that we would know you more deeply, more intimately. Lord, show yourself to us. Let us see all the more the beauty of your grace through faith. Draw our hearts closer to you. Bless us now, Lord, in this time. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Galatians. The book of Galatians, as we continue our study in Galatians. Today we are in Galatians chapter 4, looking at verses 8 through 20. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. Liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. Now, we in America, we appreciate the liberty that we have as citizens of the United States of America. We appreciate that. And we should never take our liberty for granted. We have wonderful freedoms as citizens of the United States, that uh, relatively few people around the globe have. We have wonderful freedoms, wonderful liberties, but we also, as Christians, need to understand that we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been granted wonderful liberties in Jesus. We have wonderful freedom in Jesus by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And likewise, we should never take these liberties for granted. We should embrace them and passionately pursue them throughout our lives. As Paul has been writing this letter to the churches of Galatia, he is defending salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ. And they, now you remember that these churches in Galatia, they were established when Paul took his first missionary journey out to the world, taking the gospel to the world, and he went and he established these churches in Galatia. And since he has left Galatia, uh, some false teachers have come in and they're teaching faith plus works. Salvation by faith plus works, works of the law. And Paul is defending salvation by faith 
alone. And so in the past few weeks, we've looked at justification by faith alone. Justification is by faith alone. Now remember, we talked about that last week. Justification has to do with our legal standing before God. We are right before God. We are declared just in God's sight by faith in Jesus Christ. Then last week we looked at the doctrine of, of adoption. We are adopted by God through faith. So our relationship changes by faith. Our legal standing has changed and our relationship with God has changed by faith alone. Now with faith comes Christian liberty. With faith, we also are granted Christian liberty. So today, I want us to see, as we work through this section of Galatians, I want us to see that by faith in Christ, we are free to love God, love one another, and love our world. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are free to truly love God. To truly love one another and to truly, sincerely love our world. Christian, today I want you to embrace your Christian liberty. As we look at this section of Scripture, I want you to embrace the Christian liberty that you have by faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to embrace it and I want you to pursue that. I want you to be motivated to pursue the liberty that you have in Jesus Christ passionately throughout the rest of your life. And perhaps there are those here today that you came seeking. Seeking something. Seeking a relationship. Seeking love. Seeking the answer to the purpose of your life. All of that is found in Jesus and my prayer for you is that you would, your eyes would be open to the truth of Jesus Christ and turn to Him in faith today. So if you found your place there in Galatians chapter 4, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Holy Word. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 8, hear the word of the Lord. Formerly... When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? 
For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of His holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may He write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, as we look at this today, we're going to identify from this text three freedoms you have by faith in Christ. Three freedoms you have by faith in Christ. But before we get that, let me first uh, lay the foundation of, of where I'm getting this, where we get these three freedoms uh, from, from Christ in this text. We look down at verse 12, and verse 12 gives us the 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 foundation for all of the rest that is around it, for verses 8 through 20. Verse 12 is the foundation. In verse 12, we have the one imperative, the one command that Paul gives here in this paragraph, in these two paragraphs, to the churches of Galatia. He says there, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Become as I am. That is the command that Paul gives to the Galatians and gives to us today. Become as I am. Now, what is Paul saying here? What, what is Paul? What is he? What is he like that he wants us and wants the Galatians to become? Paul has indeed embraced the freedom, the liberty that he has in Christ Jesus. Uh, that's been the point of this from the very beginning, hasn't it? Uh, that is, the, the false teachers, they have come in and they want to lay requirements on this people. They want to, to bring in the law and enslave them to the law of Moses. They want to say that it's faith plus works, faith plus the law. And Paul has been arguing against that from the very beginning. And you remember back there in, in, verse, in chapter 2, he talks about opposing Peter to his face. Peter had come, down, come up to Galatia, and while he was there, uh, while he was there with the, the Gentiles, he was kind of mingling with the Gentiles, eating with the Gentiles, having a good time with the Gentiles. But then came along these guys, these Jews from Jerusalem, sent in from, from James, the brother of Jesus. And as they come in, well, Peter's disposition towards the Gentiles changed. Where he had been li living with the Gentiles, eating with the Gentiles, uh, worshiping with the Gentiles, now he has separated himself and living like a Jew. He was living like a Gentile, but then when people come in who have influence, well, now he changes his attitude and now he wants to act like he's under the law again. And Paul opposed Peter to his face. 
And you see, these false teachers, that's the same thing they're trying to bring into these churches. They're trying to bring in legalism. They're trying to bring in the law. They're trying to say that, you, yes, it's faith in Jesus, but you also have to become a Jew. You have to live under the guidance of the law, uh, uh, obtaining or observing all the, the ceremonies that, that go along with the law, all the holidays, all the feasts, all the festivals, all of these things. You have to surrender to those. You have to obey those, and then you are saved. And Paul has said, no. It's not faith plus works. It's faith alone. By faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved. And in that, you have freedom. You have liberty. Paul says, remember when I was with you? Remember when I came the first time? Did, did I come as a Jew living under the law? No, I became as you are. In 1 Corinthians, he says to the, to the Gentiles, to the Jews, I became like a Jew, and to the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile. To those who were under law, I became as one under law. To those who were outside of law, I became as one outside of the law. In other words, he, he did what he needed to do to proclaim the gospel, to build a relationship so that he might present the gospel to the people, whomever it was that he was in contact with. Paul is saying, I have embraced the freedom that we have in Christ. I'm no longer, even though Paul was a, brought up as a, a Pharisee, he brought up knowing how to keep the law the best way humanly possible. That was his life before Christ, right? He was obedient, strictly obedient to the law. And yet Paul says, I gave all of that up. I quit all of that because it's not salvation. My uh, obedience to the law has nothing to do with my salvation. My salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And Paul says, become as I am. Become like I am. Become as I am, just as I became as you are. Embrace your freedom. And so that's the command that we have today. Embrace the freedom that we have, the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. And so here he shows us at least three freedoms, three freedoms that we have in Christ, by faith in Christ. Now, we're going to see a couple of others that we're free from, but we're focusing on what we're free to. Notice the difference there. You're free from some things, but you're also free to some things. And, and I want to focus on today what we're free to, what we're free to do. So the first freedom that we see in our text that we have by faith in Jesus Christ is the freedom to know God relationally. We are free to know God relationally. In other words, to love God. To truly love God, even as our mission statement says. We are free in Christ Jesus to know God relationally. Now, look in those, that first paragraph there, 8 through 11. You see the main, one of the main words here, the, the word that is repeated time and time again, three times in fact, in this paragraph, is the word know. Now, what does it mean to know God? 
What does it mean to know? What's the, the biblical meaning of knowing someone? And we see a couple of different meanings, a couple of different ways in Scripture that we can know someone. And we see both of those meanings here in this text. When we look at this, now in the English, it, it, we have three words here. Uh, when you did not know God you were enslaved to those that are nature, or by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you then turn back to the... How can you then turn back... I lost my place here. Uh, again, to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. So those three words there, know, know, and known... Now, in the Greek, there, there's a subtle difference in these three terms. In fact, Paul uses two different Greek words for the word know in this paragraph. The first word that he uses for know, formerly when you did not know God, that word is the Greek word oida. The Greek word oida. The second term that he uses, uh, when he goes back down there to verse 9... But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, those two terms are the Greek term uh, gnosko. Gnosko. Now, why is this important? I wouldn't bring this out if it wasn't important. You see, there's a subtle difference here. And actually, these two words in Greek are often used synonymously. They're often used synonymously. Uh, they, one word can be uh, replaced for the other rather freely. But when an author like Paul comes and he uses both of these terms in the same paragraph, he's trying to draw out a difference of what he is talking about. He's trying to bring out a subtle difference in these, these two types of knowing. Alright, so in the first one, oida, oida, it means to have information about someone or something. It means to have information. And so when Paul first opens up here, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that are by nature not gods. He's talking about the Galatians when they were enslaved to idolatry. Right? They had no knowledge of God. They didn't know God in any way, shape, form, or fashion. They did not know God. They were enslaved to those things that were not God. That's the only knowledge that they had. They had no clue who God was. And indeed, that's the way each and every one of us, when, before we came to Christ, oh, we may have had some ideas that there was a God out there. We might have learned in Sunday school some facts about God, but we did not know God. We did not know the true living God. But then when he gets down here to verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, he uses that word gnosko. Now, gnosko means to, to have that information too, but there's a subtle difference that can be worked out in this term gnosko. Gnosko means to arrive at a knowledge of someone. It can also mean to make an acquaintance. Now, it has this, thing, this sense of a relationship. It's relational. So when Paul says now, that you've come to know God. He's not just talking about uh, mental information here. 
You didn't even have the mental information about God. But now you, you've gone and you've got more than the mental information. Now you have a relationship. Now there's a relationship with God. In this sense, it's, it's the same sense in what we see in, in other passages of Scripture when it talks about, uh, for example, in the Old Testament, Adam knew Eve and Eve conceived Seth, right? Uh, there's an intimate knowledge there. There's a relationship that takes place. Now, in, in Paul's, when Paul's talking about our relationship with God, the, there's no sexual content there, but the intimacy is, the, is there. The intimacy is, is in place. And that's what he's talking about. There's now an intimate relationship, a love that can take place between you and God. Once you did not know God, you had no information about God, you didn't know, understand who God was mentally, but now, but now you've gone beyond that. Now you love God. Now you know Him relationally. And you're in a relationship with Him. Now I want you to see a couple of things that we're free from in this coming to know God Paul goes on to say there uh, but now that you have come to know now that you have entered into a relationship with God or rather oh man that's important or rather to be known by God that is God took the first initiative he took the first step towards this relationship and so by Paul saying, rather you have been known by God, what he is referring to, what he is drawing our attention to is the fact that we are freed by grace. We are freed by grace from, first of all, sin, and second of all, the law. It is God who comes in. It's God who builds a relationship. And because of God's grace, now we have been freed from sin. That's what he is talking about there. And formerly you did not know God. You were enslaved to those, those natural, those that were by nature not God. You were a slave to the idols of the world. But then he goes on, talking about now how, you want, how can you then turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slave you want to be once more. You see, we talked about that last week. At one time before we came to Christ, we were enslaved to the elementary principles, to the elementary things of the world. We were enslaved to the prince of the power, the air, the, the spirit that is now at work in disobedience. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were enslaved to sin. We were enslaved to the, the sin nature that rules and reigns over this world. But Paul says, now you've been freed from that. Why do you want to go back into that? You've been freed from that by God's grace. He has freed you. And not only that, He has freed you from the law. He's freed you from the law, from the requirements and the judgment of the law. Verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I have labored over you in vain. 
The Galatians have, have sold themselves back into slavery, back into slavery under the law. You see, ultimately, when we seek salvation through the law, we're no better than any other idol worshiper. We're seeking to try to, 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 uh, to, to find some sense of self-righteousness, some way to save ourselves. And that's what the, the pagans do. They are trying to find ways to save themselves so that they can boast before their God of choice. So whether you're a slave to, to false idols or you're a slave to the Mosaic law, if, if you're trying to save yourself, you're a slave to the elementary principles of the world. You're a slave to sin. But God, but God, by His grace, has freed you. He has freed you from Sin. He has freed you from the law. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 shows us again that, that this is God's doing. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be our propitiation for our sins. That is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's God who loved us, set His love upon us, and freed us from sin and the law. 1 John 4, 19, going on down, says, We love because He first loved us. It's God's grace that frees us. And His grace frees us so that we might be reconciled to God. He frees us so that we might be reconciled to God. That we might enter into a relationship. Our relationship with God was broken because of sin. But by God's grace, He frees us from sin, from the law, so that our relationship with Him might be restored. So that we might love Him. Truly love Him. Now I want, to, I want you to imagine for a moment, maybe even close your eyes, and imagine, imagine that you spent your whole life blind. Never being able to see. Oh, people could tell you about the beautiful sunset. They could describe it in, in great detail. But imagine you're blind and all of a sudden one day you're given sight and open your eyes. And now, now the, the, the image that has been described for you is now right before you. And you see it for the first time. Oh, before Christ came, we might have known some little facts here and there. We might have known all that the Bible has to teach us as far as giving us head knowledge. But yet we were blind. Just like these Gentiles, they were blind in their knowledge of God. But then Christ came. And God's grace opened their eyes to see the beauty and the glory of Christ. Oh, how could we ever want to go back to blindness once we have been given glorious sight? Oh, friend, never sell yourself back under slavery to the law. 
to the elementary principles of this world, but embrace the freedom you have in God, in Christ, to know God relationally, to be in a relationship with Him, to truly know the God who creates, who created the whole universe. Those who are outside of Christ, they can know nothing of God. They can never know God truly. But you have been given the gift to know Him, love Him, and relate to Him. Because of God's love for you, you are free to know Him relationally. Don't be enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Don't get bound up into all the, the things that this world has to offer to enslave you. But see the, the freedom that you have to know God. Embrace that freedom and passionately pursue the glory of God. Do you know Him? Do you truly know Him? Are you embracing that freedom? Are you digging into God's Word day after day after day? Oh God, show me Your glory. God, show me Your glory. Show me who You are. Show me what You've done. Show me, show me, show me. Let me know You. Are you praying to Him? Are you seeking Him with all Your might? Are you drowning in the elementary things of this world? Oh, seek God. Seek Him. You've been given the gift to know Him. Know Him deeply and intimately. Pursue Him with all your might. So the first freedom you have by faith in Christ is you are free to know God relationally. Second, you are free to love others sincerely. You are free to love others sincerely. As Paul goes on there, verse 12, or verse uh, 13 actually, he says, You know it was because of a body ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me. That word received means to, to, to bring in, to be hospitable. To welcome in graciously and gratefully welcome in. You received me. You welcomed me in as an angel of God, even as Christ Himself. See, Paul is, is referring to something here that the Scripture really doesn't tell us much about. It doesn't tell us anything about. This is only the only information that we get about this incident that apparently happened to Paul on his first missionary journey. Now, scholars have kind of uh, debated about what happened there. Uh, most likely, and probably the best uh, understanding of this, is when Paul was going on his first missionary journey, when he's going through the, the swamplands of Pamphylia, the, the region there below Galatia, as he was going through the swamplands, he apparently contracted malaria or, or some kind of virus that made him very sick. He was sick. And Paul, he, he must have had an idea about going in another direction, maybe going on over to Asia, maybe on over to Ephesus and, and take the gospel there. But this sickness caused him to, to change his plans. Instead of, instead of going over to Ephesus or wherever else he might have been planning, he had to go into the, the highlands of, of uh, Galatia. 
And so it was because of this sickness that Paul comes to the churches of Galatia. And and this sickness must have been bad. It must have really uh, ravished him took control of his body, it, it must have, he must have been feverish. And, and, and apparently it even caused him to have some, some eye problems. He couldn't see well because he says, you would have even gouged out your eyes and given them to me if you could have. And so this, this illness that, that Paul was, was having, it was a trial. And yet Paul says, by God's grace, you receive me. You welcome me in. Even though this this sickness, this illness was a trial to you, even though I was not at the top of my game, even though my preaching wasn't what it it should have been, yet you received me in. You heard me. And this is by God's grace. You you loved me. This was God's working in their lives. You see, God was giving them the ability to, to... to sincerely love Paul. To have sincere compassion. To have sincere compassion. They saw Paul. They saw what he was going to. And because of God's grace, they were able to really have compassion. Do you know it's possible for us to have compassion that's not sincere? In fact, most of the world, their compassion is not sincere. With the lost, there's always an, an, an element of selfishness in their compassion. And it's true of you. you. You've had those days, and you probably still have those days. You're compassionate, or you were compassionate, uh, because it made you feel better. Made you feel like you, that maybe God would approve of you somehow, some way. Or you might get the applause of your your friends and your family. You see, that is selfish compassion. It's compassion, but it's selfish selfish compassion. It's not sincere compassion. But by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we're free to have true compassion. To truly love people. We're no longer trying to impress God with our compassion. We no longer feel the need to to impress our friends and our neighbors. Now we're free in Christ to show true compassion. Sincere compassion for those around us. Not only are we able to show sincere compassion, but we are able to show sincere love. Paul says there, I'm not going to get into this too hard, but he says in verse 16, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Boy, how fickle our allegiances are. Paul, who was once so loved by the Galatians, now he's speaking the truth, and now all of a sudden he has become an enemy. How true is that even in our own day? But Paul, notice what Paul says here. Uh, Even though this is causing these Galatians hurt and heartache, he is speaking the truth in love. He's showing sincere love. And you see, that's what takes place in the family of God. When we're given the the freedom to truly love one another, 
to sincerely love one another. We are able to enter into those kinds of relationships where we're able to be open with one another and say, hey, look here, brother. Look here. I, I, I see you're doing this, and, and this is going to, to lead to a bad place. You need to, to quit this. You need to stop this right now. And, and we can go to one another and address one another's sins and, and confront one another. And yes, at times it's going to cause a little conflict in the family. But yet, by the love of God and the grace of God, we are free to do that in love because we truly love one another. We're able to forgive. We're able to, to be reconciled even when we have conflict with one another. In Christ, we have the freedom to love others, especially those in the church, sincerely. Dear Christian, God has given you the freedom to love. Love others with no strings attached. To love your brothers and sisters in Christ. No strings attached. No, no looks of approval. I'm just loving Jesus and loving one another. Love one another. Look to your brothers and sisters around you. Love one another. You don't need my approval. You don't need your neighbor's approval. You don't need anybody's approval. You don't even need God's approval. You're already approved by God in Christ. So truly, sincerely love one another in Jesus Christ. So by faith in Christ, you are free to know God relationally, to love others sincerely, and third, you are free to proclaim Christ passionately. You are free to proclaim Christ passionately. That's the love our, love our world through gospel-centered ministries, right? That's our purpose. We love God, love one another, and love our world through gospel-centered ministry. We are free to do that in Christ Jesus. We are free to, to proclaim Christ. To do Christ-centered ministry throughout our community, throughout our world. And we should be zealous for the Gospel. Paul shows his zeal for the gospel in this last section. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out so that you might make much of them. These false teachers, they're coming in. They're making much of the people of Galatia. That is, they are, they're zealous for them. In fact, the word there for making much of is the Greek word from which we get our word zeal. Our word zeal. They were zealous for the Galatians. They were pursuing them to win them over to, to their way of thinking. And Paul says that that's for no good purpose. They're doing it for their own glory. They want to exalt themselves. They're making much of you. They're zealous for you. They're pursuing you so that you might pursue them. That you might be zealous for them. That you might uh, exalt them. But he says that's being zealous for someone's not a bad thing. He's, in fact, he goes on to say uh, uh, to be zealous for someone, hey, that's, that's a good thing when it's for a good purpose. And Paul, he says there, I'm zealous for you. 
That's what he says in that next line. That's what he's getting at. I'm zealous for you. I'm zealous for you now. I'm pursuing you. I'm making much of you. Now, even while I'm away from you, just as when I was in your presence, I'm zealous for you. And, and it's for a good purpose because I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. Paul was zealous for the Gospel. And he would, he would run after people. He would pursue them. Plead with them to know Jesus. We must be zealous for the Gospel. And furthermore, we must be zealous for growth. Zealous for growth. Look at the, the last little bit there. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul here shows his pastor's heart. I'm zealous for you. Like a mother in labor, I'm laboring over you because I want to see your growth. I want to see your spiritual growth. I want to see you grow up in the Lord. Don't be sidetracked by, by these false teachings, but, but see the truth of the gospel. Embrace the gospel. Grow in the gospel. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should be zealous for others. Zealous that they may see the Gospel. That they may see Christ. And we must be zealous for one another. Zealous to, to help one another grow up in the faith. It's good to be zealous for good things. And the greatest thing is Jesus Christ. Paul gives another illustration of this in Acts Chapter 26, Paul, when he was imprisoned, he was taken to court uh, several times. He had to go stand in the court there. And, and, and this last time, he is, or in this time in, in Acts chapter 26, he, he is brought in to stand trial again, stand in the court uh, of the Roman gover governor Festus and King Agrippa. And Paul is just pouring out his heart as he, he is called to testify. He's pouring out his heart. He's giving them his testimony. And he's persuading. He, he's trying to be persuasive. And he's pleading, pleading, pleading. And I love this. Acts 26, 28, 29. King Agrippa says to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And here's Paul's answer. Whether short or long... I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. That should be our attitude, Christian. As we look to the world around us, as we look to our friends and our neighbors, we should long to see them come to know Christ. We should pursue them passionately. Plead with them Persuade them as best we can, pointing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this world, people will say to you, What right do you have? Right? What right do you have to share your faith with others? Really, in this world, and even in this nation, we see that more and more. We see more people saying that we have no right. 
To share the Gospel with others. We can't share it in the schools. We can't share it out on the street. We can't share it here. We can't share it there. We can't share it in the public square. We can't share it. Let me tell you, friend, we don't need the government's approval to share the Gospel. We don't need the world's approval to share the Gospel. By faith in Jesus Christ, you are given the right by God, the liberty, the freedom to share the the Gospel of Jesus Christ with all the world. Embrace that freedom. Don't give up that freedom. Fight for that freedom. Stand on that freedom passionately. Pursue the lost who are all around you. This town is filled with the lost. People who do not know Jesus. Pursue them. Pursue them with all your might so that they might know Christ. Dear Christian, remember, Christian, our freedom is never free. Freedom is never free. In America, freedom came at the cost of uh, over 1.1 million Americans who spilled their blood fighting for freedom. And dear Christian, your Christian freedom came at the cost of the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who Himself is God. And because of His love for you, He stepped out of glory, stepped out of heaven. He came to this earth humbling Himself, taking on this weak body. And He went to the cross for your sake to die in your place to guarantee you the freedom that He purchased for you. Don't take the freedom you have in Christ for for granted. By faith in Christ, you are free to love God, love one another, and love our world. Christian, pursue God relationally with all that you have. Love others sincerely. And proclaim Christ passionately. And as you pursue these freedoms, here's what you'll discover. More and more, you will discover more and more the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in Me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Pursue the freedoms and and receive the peace of God. Perhaps you're here today and you know nothing of this freedom, nothing of this liberty. It awaits you. Christ Jesus has it here before you. He is offering it to you if you will trust in Him. You are enslaved to the world. You're enslaved to sin. You're enslaved to the elementary principles of this life. But in Christ Jesus, you can have freedom. If you'll just turn away from this world, turn to Christ and trust in Him.
Will you believe in Him today? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for the freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom to love You and to be in a relationship with You. Though we were enemies, now we know You and can know You more and more. Oh Lord, may we pursue You. We can sincerely love one another. And we can truly love our world by passionately pursuing them with the Gospel. Oh Father, help us to embrace these freedoms. Help us to love these freedoms. Help us to pursue them with all that we have. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.